Yeah, it's well done, eh? Well done. Am I on, guys? Can you hear me? Seems like I could only hear me. We good? All right. Welcome. Good morning. Well, I agree with your assessment of the videos. Each week, our uh, tech team and band and worship, we, uh, we're so blessed to have them, right? It's, um, yeah, it's okay. Of course, they do it because they love the Lord and it's their service to Him, but it's pretty amazing uh, the talent that they really do have, and I'm so blessed to be part of uh, what they're doing here each morning. Uh, welcome everybody that's on uh, line on our uh, YouTube channel as well. And when you get a chance to watch that, those that aren't here, uh, you guys that are here, you got to start switching it up a little bit. Uh, I know exactly where everybody sits. It only took me a it only took me a couple of months to figure it out. And actually, it's not a good thing for you. And the reason I know is that if your seat's empty, I know you're not here, and that's not good. So Kathy's moving, yeah. Maybe like, <laughs> yeah. just don't do it every couple minutes. That will mess with me. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I love you guys, and I hope you know that. Um, church community, that's the series we're in right now. Uh, it's been fun for me just to kind of revisit some of these things, but then to communicate to you guys. And I agree with uh, Mark that gave our announcements today that, man, we had a blast on Thursday night. It was a fairly simple topic, but, man, it was so much involvement from everybody. I, I really just had to throw up a bone, and everybody, like, went after it, you know, and it was just real, so much fun. And if you're not part of that, I'll just invite you to come Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and well, we're just going to keep walking through stuff and see what the Lord does with it, and hopefully he grows us. That's why we call them grow groups, is because uh, we want to grow, and growing together is an important thing. So I hope you'll um, kind of join us that if you aren't already. Um, so let me ask you this question. What are you known for? Like, if somebody says your name... And uh, what would the person say? Oh, I know that guy. He is this. Or I know that lady. She is this. What is the first thing that would come into a person's mind when your name is mentioned? It's a good question for us all, right? You know, is it a good thing? <laughs> or is it a mm, not-so-good thing? It's like, what are we known for? Um... Do you know that there are imperatives for the church, or uh, imperatives meaning uh, things that we need to be known for, known by, or uh, that they need to be true of us as a church, not only as individuals, but uh, also as a church, as a church community, and that's what we're talking about in this series. Um, the scriptures indicate that there are some things, and we're not going to cover them all this morning, but we're going to nail a couple of them, some important ones. Um, the Bible teaches us some pretty straightforward things. Uh, even on our Thursday night group, we, we kind of joked about it a little bit, but we kind of make much of some pretty simple things, right? It's like we add to stuff, and, you know, we may go through our Bibles and laugh at the Pharisees and the Sadducees for doing stupid things, and we may look at the, 
the, the nation of Israel for being stiff-necked and all that, but we're all those things, uh, even in this day. Uh, which, by the way, you want to be praying for Israel, right? If you haven't, you haven't heard that they're in a, what they're at least calling it for now, a little bit of a regional war, but uh, we know that that's going on, but it's also uh, a sign of the time, right? Uh, we're getting closer. And I don't know, I don't think war ever excites me in any capacity, but when Jesus tells us that there'll be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in diverse places and all these different things that are coming, it just lets us know that he's, he's closer. And uh, that warms my heart, that brings me joy. So today we're going to research this thing a little bit. Uh, if we, what can we do to be a church community that is known by love? That's what we want to be known by. It's one of the imperatives, and that's really the primary thing we're going to research today. But how, how do people really know this about us? Um, not only individuals, like you say, but also as a church. So let's pray um, and kind of dig in this morning to our Bible and see what he has for us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. Um, thank you that you love us. Uh, like we sang just a few moments ago, we owe it all to you. Uh, I hope that's the heart of every single person uh, within the sound of my voice this morning. We owe everything to you, Lord. That's why we're here today. It's why we read. It's why we come to you in prayer. It's why we do things in action. Lord, we owe everything to you, so please... Would you speak to us this morning? May our ears be open. May our hearts be ready to receive what you have to say. Lord, may you strike any words that are mine this morning and uh, make them yours. Let it be our heart, please, Lord, as we know your people Israel is struggling right now with war and all the things that are going on in, in uh, their midst. Lord, we would ask that uh, you would make it evident to them that your promise that you would never leave them or forsake them is a real thing for them today. May they look to you as the one and only true God. May they look to Jesus as their Savior. May we trust that in our house here today as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I'll kind of give you a clue where it's at. It's right, right there. It's like at the very end of our Bibles, uh, just a little short letter by John. He has a couple of them. We're looking at 1 John chapter 3. Imperative of the church, something that sh should be known of us, and that is love. 1 John 3 verse 10 says this, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest or are made known. It is something we can uh, know them by. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Uh, pretty clear here, we are either a child of God or we are a child of the devil. Pretty straightforward language, isn't it? One or the other. There is no middle ground. It isn't like I can be 
a child of God one day and I can be a child of the devil another day, you're, you and me are either one or the other one. Uh, for someone to be, to be a child of God, what does it say? We must what? Practice righteousness. Or in other words, God's children need to live righteously or live as children that are in right standing with God. And that's what righteousness really means. It's a fancy church word, of course, and uh, it's a Bible word. But righteous means to be right with God. So if you're living a righteous life, the first step is to get right with God. And so we do that, of course, by, through the son, His Son, Jesus Christ. But then there's this idea of living out righteousness, living righteously. Um, lives that reflect right standing before God are what the Bible just got done telling us is a way that we can know that we are His. Of course, the scripture we just read is in the negative, right? It, it talks about whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. But then there's this idea of not just loving God, but also it says love his brother. Um, these people that the Bible talks about, the righteous, um, it's pretty interesting. It's not just, well, I love God. But the command here through this particular letter is that we all, must also love our brother. If anyone does not practice these things, it is evident that they are not God's children. We could like really build a really awesome sermon right around just this one verse, couldn't we, this morning? This idea of us going out into our communities, remember that's our series uh, uh, this month, is all about church community. You know, for us to talk about us being a church community or being from the Journey Church, um, yeah, we love God, but this other addition of we must love uh, the brethren as well is a challenge for us all. He goes on in verse 11, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Uh, what he means by the beginning, there's a twofold meaning here that this message that we've known from the beginning is that we're to love God. Moses talks about that in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 5. He says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Of course, we know that loving God was part of the Old Testament law. We know that. Uh, but it was Jesus who came to fulfill the law, and he actually adds to this commandment. So let's go to John 13, 34. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know. Here's our series. Here's our, our, our sermon this morning. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the question is this morning, do we have love for one another? I, I would, just by your showing up this morning, I would say that you have a love for God. But that maybe this morning we could ask the question, do I really have love for my brother, love for my sister? 
Um, Jesus says here, when he says he gives us a new commandment, that we're supposed to love one another as I have loved you. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I know what you're all thinking. You know, it's, it's interesting. We know how much Jesus has loved us. He proved it. He showed it. You know, like, if we were to ask, what do you think of when you think of Jesus? And it's pretty hard to skip around the idea that he loves us. We know that of him. It's not, a, it's a, it's not even a question. So he's kind of flipping this around in our direction this morning and asking us the question, if, if we were to ask people in our community, you know, they would maybe say that, you know, we love him. But I think the taller question for you and I, or the, the greater part of this commandment here is for you, do we love each other? Do we love each other? So for the, the church to be a community that is known by love, there are two imperatives. We must love God, and we must love our brother. That's why Jesus said, and by all this, um, they will know who you are. You know, I tease you guys about having bumper stickers and t-shirts and all the fun things that Christians have, right? The little plaques in our house and our offices and our desks and all these different things. Tweets and Facebook posts and all that kind of stuff. But those are really just superficial things in a sense how people would know that we love the Lord, that we love our brothers and sisters. So who is your brother? Just in case you're not sure this, who, the, who your brother is, the scripture t tells us about it. Luke 8. Um, this is Jesus, um, really, or Luke talking about Jesus here when he had a crowd around him. Uh, there was a bunch of people trying to get to him. And he says this, Then his mother and his brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. So Jesus, like many times, had a big crowd around him. So many people around that if you really wanted to get to him, it was pretty tough to get to him. And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. So he's got his physical brothers and mother outside just wanting to get to him. Hey, mom's here to see you, Jesus. And here's what he says. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now this isn't necessarily saying that his mother didn't do or didn't hear the word of God and didn't do it or act on it. But what he's really doing is he's teaching. Jesus was always teaching, wasn't he? Every moment he took as a teaching moment. So he's got this big crowd around him, and he says, hey, your mother and your brother are outside. They want to see you. And he says, well, my real, my real mother and brother are those who hear the word of God and actually not just hear it, but actually do it. So when you and I look at or looking around who our brothers and sisters really are, just like the physical world has a um, brother and sister mentality, a brother, you know, and a sister that have the same father or mother. Uh, the spiritual world is the same thing. You and I are brothers and sisters if we have the same father, Father God. If you love Father God and you have, he has adopted you into the family, then you are a child of God, a, a brother or a sister. So now, 
if that is true of everybody here today, then you could easily look around and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, how are you this, this fine morning? And that's like kind of a casual way to greet our brothers and sisters, isn't it? But I think the Scriptures are pointing towards something greater here when we talk about love. And in the same way that we love Jesus and He loved us, we're to love our brothers and our sister. Love is the opposite of hate. I know you probably didn't need to have me tell you that this morning, but we should love one another. 1 John 3, let's keep, continue in that chapter, verse 12. Not as Cain, so we should love one another, not as Cain, shown as the anti in this, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain hated his brother. Why? Because his offering was um, his offering to God was, ev was an evil one. He didn't offer what he was supposed to. And so what Cain did, he tried to take his unrighteousness and blot out the righteousness of his brother. It's interesting, this story of Cain. He, he also followed up not only just being mad at his brother or hating his brother, but he followed through with murder. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So what happens? Unrighteousness murdered righteousness. And that's exactly the way it works in the world today. Nothing's changed. These are the first two brothers, right? And that's the conflict that we have in our entire world today, is that righteousness is often murdered by unrighteousness. It tries to, at least. So, this morning, don't be surprised by all the hate in the world. You know, it's, it's rough to see the conflict going over, you know, in Israel right now, and that's really this situation really playing out, the whole Cain and Abel and, uh, you know, the Esau and uh, Jacob, Esau, and the whole splitting of those two families and tribes. But let it be known, this is what's really going on. It's unrighteousness trying to blot out righteousness. Uh, John, 1 John 3.13 says, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Don't, don't be surprised if the world hates you. And he's talking to disciples, true brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, it should be expected in a fallen world. Uh, it's the Cain and Abel story just being replayed over and over and over. The more you are known for your righteousness, the more you and I love each other, the more the world will hate us. It's just the way it is. I don't go out looking for this hate. I go out trying to express love, right? And I, I pray that that's what you do. But just be known because unrighteousness wants to murder righteousness. That's what we have going on here. Uh, it, it, the, one of the biggest things that exposes it, right? And we know this, that when you and I begin to act righteous, what does it do for the unrighteous person? 
It exposes the unrighteousness. We're not even out there really to try to do such a thing, but that's really what it does, is when somebody, that's what happened to Cain and to Abel. Cain didn't like it. it his brother's righteous act, what made his unrighteous act be known. And so he murdered him. So we shouldn't be surprised that the world's out there trying to uh, take us out, brothers and sisters. But we still should be known uh, for our love for the brethren. So as we love each other, not like Cain did, but as we truly love each other, the world should know that that is something we do. We shouldn't be known for hating each other. That's why it's, so, it's such, such a rough thing being in the church world, a pastor, and if you're an elder or been in leadership in any way in a church world, we're our worst enemies for the advocate of the gospel sometimes. It seems like we can't get along, and we can't. It seems like we're always fighting. So many of uh, the, our Christian witness is, is hurt by this. In other words, when they view church in the church world, we look at it, or they look at it, and they go, man, if they can't get along, then why do I want to be part of that? But that shouldn't be how we are viewed um, as a church and as individuals and brothers and sisters. So how do we know how to love? Pretty good question. Let's go to verse 16 of the same chapter in 1 John. By this, we know love. Because he, speaking of Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So the life of Jesus is a life that is counter to Cain. Whereas Cain took the life of his brother in an attempt to uh, erase his unrighteousness, Jesus gave his life for the unrighteous. Do you see the difference? So what we see is two completely different things, and this is what we're to uh, mimic. And this is actually the definition to some degree of what love is. Um, are you ready to lay your life down for your brother? Pretty tall ask. That's like the bar. That's where the bar is set when it talks about are we loving one another? And, that's a, and it's a rough thing to think through, but at the same time, that is the bar. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. So we should have, maybe we're never called to lay down our life, but is there something that we should be willing to do? Um, I think there is. 1 John 3.17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? How, is, how can this be is the, is the kind of the question this morning. How can we say that we love God and we love our brothers and sisters and we have things in our house, in our means, and we see a brother in need or a sister in need and we keep them and we don't pass them out or distribute them. Um, remember, he isn't saying that we're, we're not saved here necessarily. I don't want to get that um, confused in our heads because it's not about works. In other words, if you flip this around, well, if I was doing all these things, I, it would be evidence that I'm saved. 
That's not true. Uh, save, uh, after we are saved, then the works start. Does that make sense to you guys today? So it's actually uh, a evidence of that we are saved is when we begin to love in our, uh, with our brothers and sisters with our goods. Um, the famous uh, 21st century pastor Lindsay said this, are we a jar or a filter? I love this illustration, so I stole it from him. The idea is this. Are we a filter that takes all of God's blessings and all the things that he has given us, and it just runs right through us? More like a funnel than a filter. Are we, are we a funnel where all of God's stuff just kind of what he gives us goes right on through us and on to other people. Or are we a jar? And you got the picture of a jar, right? God gives us something and we put it in the jar and screw the lid on real tight because it's ours. And we hang on to our jars. Is that how we are? Are we a funnel or a filter by which God can give us things and then we pass them on to others? Or are we kind of like keeping them? Uh, safe, just in case. So loving God and others that love him are what we are to be known for. Pretty easy. But then, is that it? There are other things out there, but I want to stick to the ones where Jesus keeps piling up uh, other things that we're to be known for. Other imperatives. He says, one day when he was asked by a scribe or a lawyer he was asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This was a question that came to Jesus one day. And in, um, Jesus recites right back out of uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5 again. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But then Jesus, he's so good to this, fulfills or adds something to this. He says, and your neighbor as yourself in Luke 10. I don't know about you, but I like my neighbors. I do. I like my neighbors. We have neighbors on each side of them, but love them as myself. I'm not sure I do such a great job at that. Um, loving them as myself means that, yeah, you not only, you know, take care of your means and your goods and the things that you need to make your household in, in good shape and in good order, but that you're also looking out to your right and to your left uh, as, you know, for your neighbors. But then Jesus continues this um, conversation a little bit, you know, and backtrack a little bit there. I go, I often wonder how far do I got to go? You know, like, how far down the street is my neighbor? You know, isn't that kind of funny how we do that? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of, you know, you know, Sally on this side, and I'll take care of Nancy on this side. But, man, i got to go all the way down the street with this, this thinking. It's interesting what Jesus says, who is my neighbor is the great question, right? Just like, who is my brother, who is my sister? Who is my neighbor? Let's put a little definition to this. You probably know this story in Luke 10, starting in verse 29. It's the story about the Good Samaritan. He says this, But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So he's doing what I do. 
Jesus says, you know, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the lawyer is going, well, who's my neighbor? You know, how far do I got to go with this? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he answers Jesus' question by saying this, He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. So what Jesus is making very clear here that your neighbor is not necessarily the person that lives next to you, although true. But what he's really saying to you and me is that it's the one we show mercy to. So you begin the neighbor process not by proximity, but by action. My neighbor becomes my neighbor when I show mercy on my neighbor. You can get the the Jesus' drift here. He's not this isn't a I just be kind to a couple people that live in my neighborhood, but this is a neighborhood that can spread across the whole entire world. I become a neighbor to someone when I show mercy on them. Yes, it's going to cost us, just like it did the Samaritan. It costs him some time, his animals, some money. Those things are inevitable once you begin to be a true neighbor. They're going to cost you. We are to show mercy. We are to be a neighbor by loving our neighbor. So, are we known? Are we known as a church family? Are we known as individuals by loving our neighbor? by showing mercy to our neighbors. Jesus adds one more imperative, and um, we'll, we'll kind of talk about how these all fit together. This other thing that must be of us as a church community of individuals, we must love our enemy. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Jesus, saying, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, 
what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is, in, uh, is perfect. So you probably were doing pretty decently with our imperatives so far. You know, loving God, right? You thought, okay, yeah, I got that one going on. I think I do a pretty decent job at that. I, I love the brethren. I love the, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I, I love them. I do my best to take care of them. I even get out in my community and I try to show mercy to those that, um, that need mercy shown to them. And I'm a pretty good neighbor. But I bet when you got to this one, you struggled. And you go, how do you know that? You are, you're a very wise person. <laughs> you struggle with it because I struggle with it. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Really? But that's the ask here from Jesus, or basically this is a thing that he says, this is the imperative that we must be known by this. So does our community know these things? Do, do people know this about us? Remember, um, you know, Jesus has so many, like, things that kind of just get into our heart and twist the knife a little bit, don't they? And then I think this is one of those things. All of these imperatives must be true of us so we're going to be a church that is known by God, uh, known by love, sorry. We need to love God, love the brethren, uh, be a neighbor, and of course love our enemies. But there is a danger for us about being known. One of the great dangers of, of the church is loving in word only. There's the danger. We say these things. We say we love God. We say we love our brothers and sisters. We say we love our neighbor. We say, oh yeah, I love my enemy, even though he despitefully um, uses me. Words are cheap. Do you think um, that the modern-day church is known by love was my question at the beginning of today. Um, if you said no, you're probably in agreement with me. I'm not sure the blanket answer is yes anymore. Maybe, maybe a generation or two ago. I'm not sure about that now. Um, I don't believe that when you go out into our communities and you say, you know, what is such and such a church member? Do you know them? Do you know them by love? I don't know if they could give us that yes answer that we all want. I think mo for the most part, we're not. For the most part, the modern day church, we only talk about it. Um, just to be real. So that's where we're trying to sharpen our pencils this morning. That's where we're trying to get to this place that... Uh, we are a church community that is known by love. 1 John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Uh, the Bible says this is how we are to love all these imperatives. This is how we do it. We are not to love the word just in word only, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3.10 3, uh, says that we must practice Righteousness, and this is where the practice part comes into play. 
we don't just practice saying that we love God and people, but we actually go out and do it. The way in which we live our lives must reflect the righteousness of God, must reflect our right standing with God. So if we're going to go around and tell everybody that we love Jesus, then what the call for you and me to do is actually practice this, actually go out and do these things. Yeah, we love God, but we show God that we love him by practicing righteousness in all of our deeds, in our workplaces, and in our families. Yeah, we can say that we love uh, the brethren, but are we really sharing our deeds and uh, or our goods with the brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ when they are in need? We, we can say that we love our neighbor, but are we actually being a neighbor and going out and showing mercy to them, even when they're noisy and obnoxious and you wish they didn't live next to you? And then finally, our enemies. Oh, my goodness. Are we just saying we love our enemies? Or maybe you'll admit this morning that you don't even say that. That's okay. Today's the day of change, right? We can change these things. We can move towards these things. So here's some questions for us all. Are we known for the way in which we would lay down our life for another? Is that what people would think of us and say of us? Are we known for helping other brothers and sisters with our available goods, things that God has given us? Or are we really the funnel or the jock? Are we known by our neighbors for our mercy, giving them something when they really didn't deserve it? Are we known for our mercy towards others? Um, are we really a neighbor? Are we really a neighbor? Are we known for how we love our enemies? Do we bless those who curse us? Do we do good to those who hate us and pray for those who spitefully use us is the question this morning. Righteousness is not something we talk about. That cannot be something that we just talk about only. It's something that we must put into practice. So here's the question. This, all, a lot of the stuff that Jesus demands from us, commands from us, seems downright impossible doesn't it? It actually seems very impossible. So how can we love God, our brother, our neighbor, our enemy as God would want us to? How can we be known in the community that we are a church that loves? Known by our love. How can we do this? Well, as we kind of wrap things up here this morning, I'm going to ask Dave to kind of come up, but I want you to think about some things. The Bible says that every believer has someone who lives inside of them. This is the remedy for you and for me. We, it is impossible for you and for me to do this. It is impossible to love like God wants us to love. 1 John 3.24 says, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this... We know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given. This is how the mission is accomplished, by the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. The Spirit is the only way, having God living inside of us, is it possible to love in our communities and be known in our community as someone, as a church who loves so the question, 
always is for me every at the end of every of these uh, services in the morning if you do not have the Spirit of God inside of you then I just laid out a, a completely impossible mission for you there is no way that you can love God there's no way that there, it even makes it remotely possible you could love brothers and sisters neighbors and enemies without the Spirit of God in you so I gotta back up for a second I gotta talk to my brothers and sisters for a minute are you allowing the Spirit of God to work in these situations I think that's really what it boils down for you and for me as we like if, if the enemy thing is a big deal if you've got enemies which I know you do if you're trying to do anything for Jesus you've got enemies are you really allowing the Spirit of God to work or are you trying to do it on your own power your own strength I would suggest to you that you revisit those things this week I would suggest that you take a moment if you're having a hard time loving a brother if you're having a hard time being a neighbor or loving your enemies that you allow the Spirit of God to move in you and through you and make a difference in in one of those lives make a difference in your life but if you do not have the Spirit of God that um, that I'm talking about in you you can do that today as well you need you can become a child of God it's a fairly simple um, process you never ask him to save you from your sins you can do that so we're gonna take a few more minutes here today like we always do and think about the things that were said but at the same time if you would like to receive Jesus and receive his spirit and ask him to come and live inside of you and give you the power to do some of these things that he's commanding us to do you can do that pretty simple you just there's no fancy eloquent prayer you need to do with that it's just praying and we all know that praying to God is just speaking to him right we know it's just speaking he knows your language just admit that you need him that's the simplest as it gets just admit that you need him let him know you're willing to turn from your sin and turn towards him tell me believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again and he promises eternal life through belief in him if you're willing to do that just invite him to come into your life the Bible says that he will do exactly that I recite this a lot because it's a pretty powerful verse first John 1 9 says if we confess confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so if that's you today just talk to him let him know you need him let him know you want to be his child for the for the rest of us if God spoke to you about a, a neighbor a brother an enemy I'd ask that you give him to the Lord as well give her to the Lord as well let's take a few mom moments and I'll come back and I'll close our gathering today
God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. It's so needed, Lord, as this world continues to get crazier and crazier. We so need you. Lord, we not only want to say we love you, but we want to show you that. We want to show you by practicing righteousness. We want to show you by loving our brothers and sisters the way we should, our neighbors, and even our enemies, Lord. How do we know it's possible? You did it. You did it. Every person sitting here today or within the sound of my voice was your enemy at one time, and you loved us. You came, died, was buried, and rose again. All for us. So Lord, we say we love you. We need your Spirit's power to go out into our community and love you the way we should. Please help us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please remember as you leave today that if you are in need of a Bible or, or anything like that, you can pick one right up at the coffee cafe there. I want to make sure that you know that. We have them available to you. Well, there's nothing more to do than go out and live so that your community knows that you love Jesus, right? So let's not just do it in word, but let's go out and do it in deed and in truth. Have a blessed week, okay? Yeah.